Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Ms. Karina Zanner Antwistle. Karina is a leadership coach, corporate mental health facilitator, and mental health advocate who's been working in the field for over 20 years. She works with both CEOs and various teams and is an expert in creating and implementing mental health strategies and practices in corporate environments. Her aim is to help you discover what is hindering your progress and provide you with a plan to break free and achieve your goals. In this episode, Karina and I discuss the culture surrounding mental health at work. She shares with us strategies and tools to help manage our stress. And we talk about the importance of making sure we take breaks to recover, reset, in order to take care of our mental well-being. And the last message she wanted to share is that no matter how bad things are, you can always cope and manage as long as you believe that you can. Please welcome to the show, Ms. Karina Zanner Antwistle. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for having me, Carlet, and it's really great to be here with you and uh, have this conversation with you. Um, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So <clears throat> for the people who don't know, uh, me and Karina actually connected through LinkedIn, and she's also a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist, and she's works with leadership and in the you know mental health in the corporate world. So there's a lot of, we have a lot of similarities between us, and we had a Zoom call before this, and we really you know connected on so many levels. So I thought it'd be awesome to bring her on the podcast and to dive a little bit deeper into all the things we were talking about. But before we get into everything, Karina, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, um, I think you've done a pretty good job of that already. <laughs> um, as you already mentioned, uh, I work with CEOs, um, senior executives and corporates, and I help them to um, alleviate anxiety, maximize performance, and um, become better, more confident leaders and um, on an individual level. And as you already mentioned, in terms of um, working with, with the company, with the groups, um, I help the, the teams to also do that type of work because, you know, once you are in a good place mentally yourself, you can perform that much better. Yeah, 100%. And I was actually looking at some uh, statistics recently, and I think the cost of mental health, like, because I think a lot of times when you go into a company and you're talking about mental health, I think it's improved nowadays, but... A lot of the times it seems like a nice have and not a necessity. But when you put a tangible number behind it, I think the number was 180 billion last year lost in terms of productivity just from, you know, people's mental health being affected. And I've been there, too. You know, I had a job in the past and there was, I think, a quarter where, you know, I went through a lot of things and my mental health wasn't in the best situation. And I I'm living proof I've lived it. You know, I felt that. I couldn't be as productive. My head wasn't in the right place. And it was only until I addressed what was going on and gave myself time to, you know, put in some tools and some techniques in place that I was able to get back, you know, to everything in the next quarter. So when you're working with corporates, is this, are they typically open to the idea of mental, mental health and, you know, actually putting in strategies? Because on the big scale, you're trying to promote a new culture a new way of dealing with each other a new way of speaking to each other so how has your experience been I know you've been doing it for quite a while in the past compared to what it is now in the conversations that you're having well I mean I think you've touched on so many points there right now um so just to answer your question first I'm working on that okay <laughs> it's the short answer sure um I think the pandemic really has um opened up that conversation a lot more. So people are actually starting to take notice of it um, because before the pandemic, it was already an issue and the statistics were quite high. So like in the UK, um, you know, businesses lose up between 45 and 60 billion pounds wow. every year uh, due to mental health, poor mental health, you know, um, in terms of absenteeism, sick leave, even presenteeism. Um, and, you know, it's not just the fact that a staff member is not there. It's also, you know, do you have to bring in somebody else to do the work? And what is the cost of that? So, you know, there's that whole um, sort of domino effect that happens when, when somebody is ill. And you know, even if they're not ill, if they're at work, 
um, there's a whole domino effect in terms of how they're performing, how they're behaving. Um, and, you know, as, as we just spoke about earlier, when you are not in a good place mentally and emotionally, what's actually happening is that your body goes into the stress mode and that is survival mode. And we, we need a good stress response because it, it is part of our survival. Without it, we would never have survived as a human species. And that continues to be an important part of, of ourselves. However, we only need that when we need that survival mode switched on, right? Exactly. So, if you're driving along the highway, um, Sheer Syed Highway, for example, and a car comes rearing at you from the side, you need to be able to respond in a flash without even thinking. However, if you are circulating those stress hormones that are released in that situation continuously, when you are not in a survival situation, which is what happens when we are in st uh, stressed at work, for example, then those hormones keep circulating in our body and that's what causes illness, which can be anything from anxiety to depression to other real physical illnesses and stuff like that. So, um, so yes, it's, um, it is an important part, but when we are, you know, and uh, when we are in that state, um, we, are, we don't think logically because our critical analytical mind is literally shut down in favor of survival. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in the office and you're so stressed, you're not making good decisions, you may be slow, you may be fast, you know, too fast in terms of how you react with your team members, you may be easily triggered, you may be, you know, there, there can be a whole load of um, things that might be going on, uh, which are ultimately costing the, the company money. Um, and in terms of the team, you know, it impacts the team, the way the team engages, the way that the company morale. So, it, you know, it just has such a huge domino effect on everything. Yeah, it really does affect so many different parts that maybe we don't give enough attention to. Like you said, there's the dollar cost of a lack of productivity and like absenteeism and so on. But also, if you're not in a good uh, mental state, that can also start leaking into your personal relationships with the people you work with. Because like you said, you might get triggered, but no one knows why is Khaled triggered today? Why did he respond to me that way? Because you don't know what's behind all that that's ac actually causing me to, to react in this way. So when you're working with leaders, because I know you work with uh, CEOs and like high level execs, and you also said that you work with te individual teams as well. So. I'm curious because I was trying to think, what's the difference when you're working with, for example, like a CEO and you're trying to coach them and uh, train them, for example, compared to when you're working with someone maybe that's in middle management or even, you know, like bottom level of the company? Is there a different approach that you have to take? Are there different responses that they have or challenges? Walk us through just some of the differences between the two. Well, you know, in the end, everybody is unique. So. Yeah. Although we are all the same on one level, we are all also unique, right? So it's that sort of dichotomy of being human, right? Um, so, you know, when I'm working with a CEO, for example, um, on an individual basis, obviously the things that um, are going on for him might be different from what's going on with the team, you know, like the CEO, he's got the weight of the whole organization on his shoulders or her shoulders, you know. Um, so those type of stresses um, can be quite different from the salesman, for example, or the marketing manager, or, you know, all those different positions that you have within the company. So, you know, when you're working with the CEO, you would address those issues with him on a one-to-one -one basis. Okay. Um, when you're working with a team, you're looking more at the general issues that affect the entire team. But in reality, whether you're working with the individual or with, with the team, 
whatever happens in both those situations is unique to them and is stays confidential within both those situations and I think that's really important to, to mention because I think a lot of people also feel you know they they think number one um, you know mental health is means being mentally ill and we'll talk about that in a moment sure. um, and I think it's they also worry that they have to share their deepest darkest secrets with everybody um, or with the therapist or with the coach and that's just not the case you know so I think it's important for people to understand that they share as much as they want to share but also that you know I work in a very solution focused approach so um, it means that you are finding solutions together with the client that work for the client it's not about me telling the client what to do because in reality you are the expert on your own life. You know your own life and your own self better than anybody else. But, and it also doesn't mean, you know, that you have to go digging into the past and digging up all the, all the issues from the past. But it doesn't mean that you don't look at the past. You look at what's been useful and what you can use now and what you can leave behind. So there's a whole sort of structure and strategy to it, if that makes sense. But yeah. Um, but I think it's important that people understand, you know, that they don't have to share their deepest, darkest secrets, because I think that's one of the things that often holds people back from sharing or from reaching out for support, because they think, oh, you know, I have to tell everybody all this stuff, and, mm. and you don't have to, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think one thing that you said that's really crucial is about the concept of the sharing. I think that's something that a lot of people have um, um, are mis misconceiving what what we talk about when we say to be vulnerable. It's not about especially in the workplace. Maybe when you have when you're one on one with a therapist, you have more freedom and you know ability to actually you know say everything that's going on because it's between you and the therapist is confidential but just at work to just be okay um i was doing some research and it said that one of the things that you could do to help yourself is to admit that it's okay to not feel okay you know just to be like if you know to speak have a colleague that you trust or someone that you're close to at work and be like you know what today is just i'm just not having a good day but that's okay and i realized in my experience as well it was only until i accepted that it was okay to be where I was or to feel the way I was feeling and not feel like I'm doing something wrong or that I'm, I'm judging myself for feeling, you know, negatively. And that just spirals out of control that it really does start with just accepting and then finding someone to communicate it because talking helps no matter who, you, even if it's to a therapist to whoever, if you have something bottled up that you just, you know, you want to like say, once after you say it, it tends to calm me down a bit. It tends to, you know, reduce the stress and it tends to, you know, make you feel a bit better. There's a, like a weight that comes off. So when you said there's a, on the confidentiality part, because I think that's something important as well, that we shouldn't expect, like, for example, if I was working with, let's say uh, I'm a company, we've uh, partnered with a therapist to come have, you know, uh, discussions with whoever whoever would like a session it's n I shouldn't have any access or right to know what's going on in those sessions I should just have an overview that oh, this many people are going you know are seeing a therapist would that be right correct yes um and again you know it depends very much on on the situation um so if you're looking at it from like a coaching perspective you know, I think, again, therapy is different. Therapy would be, for the most part, one-on-one, -on -one, although you can have group therapy. But, you know, and I think therapy, even in, in a company, you want to you want to have it so completely confidential so that it's not, you know, nobody, nobody needs to know what, what those issues are. But if, for example, you're working with a coach, um, that also is confidential, but it's it's 
it's different in terms of how it will affect the organization as a whole. So what is the what is the the goal and the outcome of that coaching and that training? What is that what is that about? So if for example you're talking about mental health. So let's say you're going in, you're working with a group and um, you want to start implementing mental health as part of your business strategy. The first step is basically training the organization on what, it, what mental health actually is and giving them the tools and strategies to, to manage mental health within the organization. And then having individual coaching with different people to help them actually implement those processes and strategies so that's the one step but then it's of course going to the next step whereby you want that to become part of the company culture you know it's not Mm. just like oh this is a training we're going there for a day and we go back to our old life it really needs to be something um, that happens on a continual basis and whereby for example like what you've just said you know so um team members would say check in with each other you know say at the beginning or at the end of the week or at the end of the day or beginning of the day whenever whenever these things happen which are decided upon by the team for example to say how are you know how are you doing are you on top of your week so you could have like a code word saying on top of the week means i'm doing okay mm. or well um, you know, could be better. So you can introduce code words whereby people know within the team or within the organization, okay, this person's struggling a little bit. Maybe I need to check in. Is this something I can do? Is this something I can do to support them? Um, you know, what would that kind of support look like? And again, that does not mean that the team needs to take the place of a therapist or a coach, but it means having having, again, strategies, having plans, having um, processes that everybody is aware of and everybody knows, whereby you can just say, are you doing okay today? Do you need some support? Uh, Yeah, maybe I'll just take a bit of a longer break. Okay, a longer break is cool. That's fine. Or, yeah, I just need a bit of a, you know, I just need five minutes of quiet time. Or, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with, I don't know, this document or this project or, or whatever it is? So there's, you know, so there's processes and communication that starts to happen whereby people know without having to share. And I, again, I think this is important because it's not about being mentally ill, yeah. you know, it's about actually being mentally in a strong place. And, you know, this kind of two sides to that coin so you might be in a place where you feel good and you feel okay but you want to get to the next level every company does every company wants to perform better every person wants to perform better so so the better we are doing physically the more work-life balance we have for example the more the more um time we have to take care of ourselves the more energy focus and motivation we will have to put back into our work and into our business so getting those aspects of things right um, and then of course and and that's that takes um for want of another word practice so sure. when you're doing well you're practicing and implementing these tools and strategies so that you can get to the next level but there will be challenges because there always are. So at the same time, we are preparing for those times when the challenges happen. Because when they come, we will be in a stronger and better place to cope with them. And rather than doing what you said earlier, you know, flip and how I've done this wrong, or this is not good enough or whatever, beating ourselves up and going into that downward spiral, we are now in a position to say, oops, this was not great. How am I going to deal with it? What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Can I fix this? What can I learn from it? And going into a completely different place than into that downward spiral of beating yourself up. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I love what you talked about that you, it's not about sharing because again, like we said earlier, I think that's what people think it's about. It's about having a, a system in place for not only to improve the general well-being of people as we move forward or get to where we're trying to go but also having you know those those fail safes that when things go wrong when the team or the company is not the overall well-being is not in a good place what are the actions we can do what are the tools we can use to help us you know move forward and i think like you said having those in place also helps with communication and i think communication is something important that you have a good idea maybe you're not going to have for the entire organization but at least with your team members you know you all have a good understanding of where everyone's at so any type of reaction anything that seems out of place you kind of have an idea about i think that helps you recognize uh, if someone's struggling with mental health as well it gives you the the awareness and the tools to actually point it out and notice oh for example khal is not doesn't seem like he's doing well today maybe i should maybe i should check in and at the end of the day it's all about just having some type of support to not feel that you know you're alone and isolated because i think once you do feel that that is when everything really starts to like go in a in a negative way that feeling of being alone that feeling of oh no one understands what i'm going through um so i i totally understand where it's coming from but i wanted to come back on to the concept of help so i think a lot of times either both in our personal lives and in our professional lives a lot of times we some we struggle to ask for help i know i've been i've been in that situation before like i will help anyone i'm happy to help come to me please i'm happy i help 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 but when it's my turn or i need help i'm like no no let me try to deal with it myself and if it's not resolved i just you know things start to like spiral from there so why do you think people tend to or have an issue sometimes with asking for help, both in a, prof- in a personal or professional environment? You know, that's a really interesting question because that's something I've been thinking about myself just recently and also something I've talked about quite a lot is in terms of, you know, reaching out for help is not a weakness. But I think it's this idea of what I mentioned earlier. Number one, it's seen as a weakness because especially as the CEO, you... You know, you should be seen to be strong. You can cope with everything. You can, you know, nothing gets you down. You have the answers to everything. That is the expectation. But also, um, I think it's kind of, you know, if we're struggling, we don't want to necessarily, you know, tell the people close to us because maybe we feel embarrassed or we feel ashamed or we don't want to burden them with our problems. Um, You know, if we're at work, we don't want people to think we can't cope with our work because that could impact on our job in some way. So there's all these factors that are going on around that. And I think that's why talking to somebody outside, like a coach or a therapist, is actually so important because, you know, that can be so confidential. You don't have to tell anybody, which brings me back to that point about sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. You know, you could, for example, if, um, you know, a client came to you or a client came to me, you know, they can come to us and talk to us in a completely confidential way without any judgment, without any baggage because you know there's no um you know they've got nothing to lose right exactly and at the same time they've got that space where they can just talk about whatever it is you know what again what you said earlier in terms of just having somebody to listen somebody to bounce your thoughts off just to you know to know that you're not crazy you know, that you're not wrong in what you're thinking or what you're doing. I think that's an important part of, we just want to know that that we're not crazy, right? Yeah. And having that, that confirmation from somebody else that is not, that doesn't have a stake in anything, you know, that, that we're involved in. I think, um, I think that's really important. And I think that's why, you know, making people aware that they can, talk to 
a therapist or a coach in this way without it having to be shameful. I think that's, you know, that's really a good thing. Um, yeah. and, and it doesn't have to be seen as a weakness. On the contrary, you know, you know, every athlete has a coach, right? Exactly, yeah. You know, uh, if you're sick, if you break a leg, you go and see a doctor to put the cast on your on your leg to do an x-ray and put a cast on, right? You don't even think about that. But somehow when it comes to our mental health, there is such a stigma around it. Mm. Um, and somehow that needs to be broken because so many people are struggling. Um, you know, you mentioned some figures early on. And, um, you know, here in the UK, you know, one in six people are struggling with a mental health issue in any given week. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a crazy number. It's, it really blows my mind, even uh, like you said, actually here too. I think in 2019, the Ministry of Health here said that uh, mental illness is one of the top 10 illnesses in the entire country. And that was in 2019. So already there were alarm bells going off. So I'm, after now going through the pandemic and still being in the pandemic, I'm sure it's number one, like it must be. There's so many, and I've looked at the research, the UAE in particular, compared to the global average, has higher burnout rate, has higher feeling of helplessness. They feel um, there's a higher decline in family, the mental health of the family, because if one person is not addressing it and you have a wife and you have children, it starts to like seep into all these different areas. and it's such it's become such a big problem that the stigma has to almost be ignored i know that's i know that's easy to say and that's wishful thinking but it's still it is still there and i think moving forward some i think something's going to have to break i think it, we're almost there but there's still that like that pullback of the old way of thinking and so on because i think like you said it's not about it's not mental having a mental health issue let's say is not a mental illness it's a very different thing because we all our mental health is something we all experience every day some days we have good days some days we have bad days health right yeah you exactly. know I mean, just because we get the flu it doesn't mean to say we're chronically ill exactly the flu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. and that's a perfect so I think that's a great analogy best, but you know, we'll we'll get better. We're we're having a bit of a you know physically a bit of a problem, but we'll get better. Yeah. And it's the same with our mental health. You know, we have times where we are stressed. We have times where we feel anxious or afraid or sad, and these are all part of being human. And they are important emotions that are telling us something about what's going on in our lives. So you know, they're not to be ignored but actually to listen to your body which is giving you these signals and saying hey dude there's a bit of an issue here let's have a look at it how can we fix it yeah and it, and it's also knowing that we can fix it we don't have to go into this downward spiral you know um i was talking to a friend yesterday and um you know she was just saying to me uh you know she's struggling a little bit and this is not normal and we all do at some point you know because circumstances happen especially now during the pandemic um you know so many people are struggling on so many levels i mean the isolation the young people i mean my heart goes out to the young people that can't do live life you know the elderly that are isolated and alone, those people that are alone anyway, you know, those people, I mean, it's just endless what's going on right now. So, of course, people will feel that. Yeah. But the important thing is, how do I cope with this? Yes, exactly. this is the situation and I'm struggling, but I can cope. I can do this. I can do that. And you know what? What's really amazing um, is that you you can cope because you have coped with 100% of the worst day of your life. That's true. 
That's, huh? Yeah, that's true. And so you've gotten through that. You've got through the very worst day of every, of your life and you will get through whatever else it is. Yeah. You will get through that. But it's knowing that it's knowing that it's having that knowledge and again it's building those those techniques and those strategies and those tools that will help you when you are struggling. You know because even the best of us I mean you know, I have days sometimes now, like at the beginning of this pandemic, <laughs> I was like, yeah, people, welcome to my world. This is what <laughs> I, you know, this is my life. I've, I've, I've worked from home for years, you know, and whatever, whatever. But now, like a year later, I'm kind of thinking, geez, people, get a life, you know, we need to get out of here a bit. You know, I need to see some people again. Yeah. So even the best of us will experience that. And it's then at that time to go, okay. This sucks, but what can I focus on? What is still good? What is good? Even though there's all of this going on, what is good in my life? What am I thankful for? You know, even though there's so much bad stuff going, actually, I still have a lot of good stuff going as well. And those are the things to focus on, you know. And it's having those techniques. It's having that knowledge. It's it's preparing for those times. And so, and when you when those times come, that's when you go, okay, and I can deal with this. Exactly. I think I love what you said. And that's something I, I think it's good to remind myself and for everyone that you've already coped with the worst day of your life. So, so whatever comes, hopefully there aren't any worst days, but hope if nothing else comes, you've already been through the hardest part. So I think remembering that would give you a lot of confidence and a lot of belief that you can do it. And also, like you said, having the tools for when those days do come to know how to cope, to know how to reset, to do all those things. But this is something that I, I've actually experienced recently. And it's, it, was, it took me by surprise because as a hypnotherapist and in this field, uh, just, you know, just as you are, this is the part where it reminds me that to be kind of compassionate towards myself because sometimes like we we both have lots of tools at our disposal we know uh, certain practices we can do like gratitude like meditation we, we have a lot of tools to reset or recalibrate ourselves when we're going through a tough time but i recently was going through a period this past i guess month and a half and it was a it was an accumulation it was slow i didn't notice it at the beginning and then a couple of days ago this week i just kind of like got this realization like oh okay wow okay i've been i've been struggling and i wasn't aware of it but it kind of hit home at one point and now you know you reset and so on and i think sometimes when a client comes to work with us it's i i try to remind them that it's yes i do have knowledge yes i do have tools but just because i have all these things doesn't mean i won't experience the same things that you would experience on a daily basis as well you know having the tools is one thing but like you, like we've talked about earlier you're human even sometimes you have all the knowledge in the world you're still going to have to go through a phase before you can reach for those tools again or you realize that you need those tools have you experienced something similar to that would you does that sound something f familiar to you yes of course absolutely you know like i just said to you just now yeah um you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, wow, welcome to my world, everybody. This is this is just my life, you know. But I have also very much so in the, you know, the last couple of weeks, I'm like. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it is at those times where you you have to. You know, it's not about denying those feelings. But yeah. it's about what you very, the way you very nicely put it. I love the way you said to reset, just to take a break. In fact, um, actually, probably about a month ago, I had a, I had a, like a, a, a period where I would say I was, I was really struggling. Um, and I was working a lot and I was like, and I got to a point where I was like, all right, okay, that's it. I'm taking, I think I took three days off. I'm, I, I said, I'm taking the Friday off. I'm taking the Saturday, Sunday, the whole weekend off. And um, 
And I did that. And I actually had to reset. And taking that time off gave me the energy and to get back into it, you know. Um, and, and again, that is something that is so, so common, which I wanted to actually mention earlier, is, you know, in the business world, we are expected, people are expected to be, you know, alert and on call 24-7. You know, you're expected to be in the office, to do the extra work, to go the extra mile, to to work the extra hours, to work the weekend, to be there all the time. Well, it's no wonder people get burnt out, actually, when you just think about that. But when you look at a professional athlete, right, they train, 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 train for that high peak performance, that deadline, that event, right? Um, and they're at their best and they, they have the event. And then what do they do? Recovery. Recovery is the most important yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> most people just look at me. They go, I don't know. What do they do? <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. They have a period of recovery. But in the business world, that just doesn't exist. You know, we're it's all the time. It's nonstop. And so, of course, people get burnt out. Uh, and, you know, we could talk about this for a long time and that has a domino effect into everything, you know? So let's say CEO is burnt out. He starts snapping at the team. Team is all nervous and, oh my gosh, da, 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 da. things start to go wrong. But that doesn't stay there. All those people, although they try very hard to keep that at the office, it doesn't stay there. It goes home. Yeah. It goes yeah. to the partner. It goes to the children and vice versa. Whatever happens there, comes to the office yeah and so you know having for example that as part of your strategy to plan periods of recovery is so so important to find balance so that you can you know work better when you're at work and relax better when you're not at work so that you have a feeling of balance it's hugely important, hugely important because, and that's one of the things that I actually noticed myself with that, what I was just describing to you a couple of weeks ago was, you know, I always think, oh, I've got to work like every other CEO. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to finish this. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. I'm putting more hours. And actually that's not making a difference to your business. If you take that weekend off, it's not going to make a difference to your business, but it's going to make a huge difference to you. But, but, in turn, also to your business. Because when you are reset, I love that word, reset, re-energized, re-motivated, you will focus better, you will perform better, you will execute, you will do everything better. Yeah, and you will feel better and happier. Your mind will be better. You know, it's just it's just everything. And one of the other things that I often talk to my clients about is, you know, most CEOs are very sort of left brain people. Yeah, so everything happens in the head. Yeah, it's got to be like this. It's got to be like this. It's got to be like this, and it's all based on logic. And there's no space for feeling. There's no space for emotion because that's just not who they are, right? Yeah. However, we are not just a head walking around with a body, without a body. I mean, we are not just a body walking around without a head. That two are so closely linked and related. And what happens in our body? You know, what we are feeling and emotion is what drives our thoughts and our feelings. And in the same way, our thoughts drive our feelings and our emotions, which means that we have a lot more control over it than we think we have if we learn to read and understand those signals. Yeah, I think I love, like, throughout our conversation, that you've related so many points about mental health at work and things like the training for that big event and the stress and reco and recovery. When you relate it to sport, it's so it makes so much sense. 
it's so relatable and because like the top athletes in the world like you they know just bef- like you have let's say a big fight coming up you know in that last week okay you have maybe some light training but you need to recover there's a like there's a recovery period that needs to happen so you can go again and when you when like you said when you're always expected to be available always expected to be on you know emails at 12 at night and you're not getting that time to just sleep so if that's the expectation and now we have the tools one thing that i say i don't know how to implement this but my thing has always or my perspective has always been to set boundaries so for example if i get an email if if there's a big deadline and it's something we're pushing towards that we have to you know achieve then I, we can put in the long nights, we can put in the extra hours, fine. We have a goal. We have a specific goal, a very short time from now we have to achieve. But I think a lot of times people treat deadlines, which is an arbitrary thing because 80% of the time probably they're not hit and life still goes on and it just gets moved and it's fine. But it adds so much, maybe unnecessary. I'm not saying it's unnecessary, but it does add a lot of probably unnecessary stress. Like you didn't need to send me that email at 12 p.m. Like why? What? It's 12 p.m. No, everyone's, no work's going to get done now. So my thing is always like, you have to set the boundaries. So if I you get that email late at night, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, even if I see it, I'm not going to respond to this right now. It's 12 at night. I need this time for myself. And tomorrow morning, first thing I'll get up and respond. So do you talk to your clients about, how do you start setting those kind of boundaries? You know what I mean? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that is so, so important, setting those boundaries. And again, people are scared to set the boundaries. Because, exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, if I do that, I'm going to lose my job. So that's a tricky, that is a tricky one. And, you know, so when you're working with the organization, as an organization, you can start setting up those um those strategies and those tools whereby everybody knows, okay, weekends are off. Yes, if there's a certain deadline, we can all put in the weekend. But then we have a day off on Monday, for example, or an hour off or whatever, you know. And and those things will be unique to the team, the organization, the, the individual, whatever it is. But yeah, I think that's that's a very, very important point. And and again, you know, there's statistics on how often we are being interrupted and the cost of every interruption. So we are being interrupted every three minutes. Every wow. interruption costs you 35 minutes to get back into what you were doing. Okay. So what does yeah. that mean for the company? You've got to start setting boundaries around all those interactions. Do I really need to send that email to you right now for you to answer right now? Or can you actually deal with that later if I know that you, this time, is a time that you are, I don't know, working on budgets, for example? Or, you know, do I need to come into your office right now when I know that this is your work time? So, again, that's those are figures that you can use to set up those type of strategies and policies, which will mean, again, everybody's performing better because they can stay in the zone for longer. They can get get into the zone quicker. What do you say to... So I, I really like what you said about, you know, how to, you know, how often we get interrupted and how much that's actually affecting us and that the company can set those boundaries so every so you don't have to almost set it yourself so it kind of removes that that worry for you obviously i think you still need to on some level set your own personal ones but like you said there's a fear there's a fear behind it of losing your job because for example so i when i was working in amsterdam compared to what i hear from my friends in the UAE, like i remember at 5 p.m 5 30 unless like we said there's a big deadline it was out you know and my manager and everyone would tell me that there's a culture there that really valued work-life balance here it's the complete opposite i i can bring a hundred people on the blink of an eye that say they're always working overtime they you know they're working weekends they they're not they're working like 80 hour weeks and it's just it's ridiculous and no wonder that like the burnout rates here are so high and stuff so the question is 
if this is the culture here, for example, let's use the UAE, for example, this is the culture. This is how it is. What do you do then? Because it's almost, it's become expected, which is wrong, but that is what the expectation is. So they'll be like, as an employer, be like, oh, Khaled set his boundary that after 8 p.m. he will not respond because, you know, he needs his time to himself. Okay, I'll find someone else that will come and not be bought and, you know, not and we'll do that and will answer me at one one in the morning and that will work uh, all those hours. So what do you do then when the culture around you, not just an organization, but where you are in the world is is like that? I totally understand that. Um, and I think the answer to that really is educating educating people, educating CEOs, educating businesses about what what that is actually costing them. Because, um, you know, the, the what we where we began in terms of the costs to the companies are so high. And, and I think that's what people need to realize and need to understand that it's actually costing them more than if they were actually were to implement proper strategies whereby everybody has um, time off, everybody has, um, you know, whatever, whatever those things are, but, um, and, and changing that culture, changing that culture, because, um, yeah, once they start to see and understand that they can actually save money, by taking these things seriously, that they can save money and make more money by doing what seems counterintuitive. But the thing is, human beings are not machines. And we've been so psyched up, we've been so socialized into that way of thinking. Yeah. You know, like you say, I mean, some countries are well ahead of that. But, you know, even me, I grew up, you know, and I still need to shift my mind about that sometimes because very much it's you work hard to be successful. You've got to put in the hours. If you seem to be working longer, you seem to be working harder, that's a good sign, you know. From from when we start going to school, we are primed with success and deadlines. And the only way you're going to be successful is if you're, Mostly with academics, you've got to get that exam. And the next exam, we're starting, we're teaching our kids this from the age of four or five years old. So, yeah, it is it is a big mind shift. And it's a, you know, I think it is quite a big job to, to change that way of thinking. And I think the only way really to change it is by business owners, CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs understanding the cost yeah i think that's a great point that really stress on the costs because it makes it it makes it non-disputable after that because if i can show you with numbers which is all at the end of the day what you want you want to be profitable you want to generate higher revenues whatever the case might be if i can show you how much this is costing you and really emphasize what if you did these, like you said, percent, what would seem as counterintuitive things where you could be? What if you invested in certain mental health services for your company uh, in terms of morale, in terms of culture? Just think how much more people are going to want to work for you, are going to be happier to work there. It's a, uh, you know, and there's science behind when you're in a ha when you're happy, you're in a much more, you're much more creative, you get into this flow state, you're super productive. So if all that seems a bit like airy fairy for you, let's just look at them. Let's stress on the numbers and, you know, push it from there. But you said something that is, I sorry, think... Sorry, just to interrupt you so, before you move on. Yeah, yeah, please. There, there was a recent study by Deloitte. 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 Yeah. I can never say that word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Deloitte. Um, and they showed that um, investing in mental health can have an ROI of up to 800%. 800%? Wow. Okay. I knew it would be big, but I did not expect. That's that, That's a ridiculous amount. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's, wow. That, that really caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting such a high number. Even 80, I would have been like, wow, that's, you know, that's a lot. But wow. Okay. Take notice. Take notice. Um, and coming back to... 
I think this is something that not just in a professional environment, but in your personal life, that's important. And what I've learned, at least through my experience, is mindset. Because I think everything at the end of the day, whatever problem you're facing, yes, there's environmental things that you can't control. But if you can develop a very strong mindset and a strong foundation, which doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel all those negative emotions, don't get it, you know, don't get that construed. But I think you have a good foundation to cope with life in general and whatever is thrown at you. So on the topic of mindset, how do you, what advice would you give to someone? How do you start cultivating and building in quotation marks as they, as we would say, a strong mindset or at least the mindset that you would want to have? How would you start to cultivate that? Um, I think quite a, quite a few of the things that we've already been touching on, you know, because again, in the way I spoke about the head and the body, these things are all, they're all so closely related. It's, you know, we talk about mental health and mindset, but actually it's, it's one system. It's, it's pretty much the same thing yeah. to a certain extent, you know, and it comes back to, again, what I mentioned earlier in terms of the way we think determines the way we feel, determines the way we behave and vice versa. So who has control of the way you think? You Certainly should. not me. Yeah. <laughs> right? You should, yeah. We should exactly. have control, yeah. The only person that can control the way you think, and that is actually the only thing that we have complete control of is the way we think, we feel, and we behave. That's the only thing. You know, people try to change people and, oh, and you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to think like this. We can't do that. We can try. But in the end, the only thing we have complete control of is how we think and feel and behave. And so when we talk about changing our mindset you know how do we do that again i think it's a process it's becoming aware it's becoming aware of what are you thinking what are you doing you know as hypnotists you will know this i think most of our job really is about getting people out of that trance state yeah and creating awareness because we're doing everything on a subconscious level. We're just doing without thinking because we're just so used to doing all the stuff. You know, our thoughts, we repeat the same thoughts like a hundred times a day, you know. So what are those things? What are those actions? Let's become aware of them. First step. Once you've become aware of them, then you can begin to change them. Then you can start saying, oh, like we were talking on, you know, at the beginning of when we first started. Oh, that's a judgment on my part. I'm judging myself. Okay, so what can I do instead? Instead of judging in this situation, what can I do? How can I change that? How, how do I become more positive? What is a positive mindset? Does a positive mindset mean I'm happy all the time? No. It means that... I know there will be difficulties. I know there will be challenges. But I also know that I will get through those. Yeah. That is a positive in my mind. That is a positive mindset. It doesn't mean we're happy 100% of the time because who is? Yeah. Nobody is. Of course. Right? Yeah. But it means knowing I can get through those times. Um, you know, uh, what's her name? I think Carolyn or Caroline Dweck. You know, oh, yes. Her book. Yeah, yeah. Mindset. mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being open to new ideas, to new suggestions, knowing and understanding that no matter how old we are, we can change those thoughts, feelings and behaviors based on neuroscience, you know. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's that's where where it would start is by creating awareness. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right about that. And I can speak from my own experience that the more aware I've become, the 
the more I've been able to develop as we would, as we would label uh, a positive mindset. And like we said, doesn't mean you're happy all the time. doesn't mean you don't struggle. It's just at the end of the day, if you come to the core of it, you can, I can tell myself I'm happy with the person that I am. And I think that is what awareness and a mindset gives you is to be comfortable and comes on to the topic of, you know, self-love and self and self-care. And you understand that, even if things aren't going great, at the end of the day, I can look in the mirror and be happy of who I am as a person. You know, I like who I am. I like what I do. I like the way I think. And I think once, if you can get to that, I think that's the end goal at the end of the day, because if you can't, if we can't love ourselves, if we don't like the way we are, which then there's a, there's a, and I'm trying to be very careful with my language. It's not that, there aren't things that I don't want to, I don't want to improve. There's many things I want to improve. But again, if you come back at the end of the day, look in the mirror. Am I happy with the per- Am I happy with the person I see in the mirror? If I am, then I think you're in a pretty good spot. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah. and and again, you know, just coming to the thing about uh, what I was talking about a moment ago in terms of awareness. You know, yeah. when you're in that moment and you're struggling to actually be able to go, okay, stop, just stop, take a deep breath. And then I can cope. I can cope with this or whatever, you know, whatever else it might be. What can I do in this situation or or, or to turn that around, you know, where, where in previous, previous behavior might be, you get into that stressful situation and you just go into a downward spiral of, oh my goodness, you're so stupid. Why did you do this? And can't you ever do anything right? And da 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 and oh, and I can't cope. And oh, my life is crap. And oh my gosh. And and all of a sudden you're in this deep hole yeah. where it's like, how do I now get out of this? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty deep in. Yeah. yeah. I think you said it perfect. It's about being, it's about not being reactive but proactive in how you try to handle situations and how you feel. Because like you said, your past behavior might have been to react in a certain way, but if you can take a deep breath, just pause for a second. And I think what you've been saying the whole time is a great question is like, what can I do? How can I reframe this? What tools do I have? What knowledge do I have at my disposal to change the situation, to change how I feel? So I 100% agree and support everything you just said. Um, Karina, I just have two last questions for you. These are questions I ask all my guests. So number one, looking back at, you know, your career or maybe even in your personal life, what would you say you're most proud of for yourself? What am I the most proud of? Oh, um, I would say, well, firstly, of course, my children, my family. Um, I'm very proud of those. (laughs) Um, From a business perspective and well just you know I've done a lot of things in my life um and um I had a a language school once upon a time which I was quite proud of and I'm proud of the work that I do now you know um I think being able to help people and support people um I don't really think about it so much as in terms of I'm proud of it, but it's, but I'm passionate about it. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. And like you said, I think getting, what I love about this line of work is everyone's different, but for me at least, and I think you share a similar thing, is my work is seeing someone else's change, someone else's success, someone else, you know, breaking free of what's been holding the back it's so fulfilling at least at least to me and i think you feel the same way absolutely absolutely and you know one of the reasons i do what i do is because i really feel that within an organization within the company starting and starting at the top starting making changes there and that goes down but that also as we spoke about earlier with the families it goes out and then you're actually starting to make a bigger impact yeah exactly i totally agree and i love that vision and the work that you do i think it's so important and it's only going to get more important from here on out the way the way things are going but we're you know moving in the right direction i would hope so and for my last question karina 
is what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Um, what is the message? I think the message I would share is that, you know, no matter how bad things are, you can always cope. You will always manage. And you just got to believe that you can. And you can. I think that's a beautiful way to end this podcast. Karina, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, talking, really getting into, you know, the ins and outs of mental health at work is, is something I'm really into right now. So hearing from someone who's been doing it for quite a while and the challenges and the mindset and how to think of it has been super useful to me. And I think anyone listening to this podcast, any employer, any company or any employer, if you listen to this, you can take a lot away that could, you know, start changing your organization into becoming one that really cares about people's mental well-being and so on. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor to be here with you. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it as well. And um, I hope that we can do more of this and talk more together and um, do lots of exciting things together. For sure. Many, many, many more things to come. Guys, to everyone listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, hope it helps. Peace. Hope it helps. <laughs> <laughs>